This is episode 60 of the Deeper Than Work podcast. And in this episode, we are talking with Dr. Glory Adosian all about how to skyrocket your visibility so that you can stand out, be seen, and heard in your industry. If you are tired of being the best kept secret in your field, if you are ready for people to know who you are and what the value, the impact, and the power is that you bring to the work that you do, then this episode is for you. This is Deeper Than Work, a podcast that specializes in real career talk for real career women. Join your host, Dorianne St. Fleur, as she shares practical and actionable strategies guaranteed to help you become the corporate powerhouse you're meant to be. Dr. Glory Adosian is a LinkedIn visibility coach and lead consultant at the Inspired by Glory Academy, where she teaches mid to senior level career women how to build visibility and establish thought leadership on LinkedIn so that they can get the recognition they deserve earn more money, and climb the corporate ladder. She's also the founder of the first-of-its-kind digital-enabled community for career women, the 9-to-5 Chick Inner Circle, which aims to provide career women throughout Africa with mentors, access to signature career resources, and networking opportunities. I've had the opportunity to see Dr. Glory in her element teaching how to become more visible, how to get seen, stand out, and get paid for the value that you bring to the table. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with her today. Let's get into it. We are so happy to have our guest today, Glory Adosian, PhD. And so Glory, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your work before we dive in? Excellent. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I'm really excited to be sharing with your listeners as well. So my name is Gloria Dozian and I am a LinkedIn visibility coach. Um, What does that mean? (laughs) So basically what I do is I help women build visibility for the great work they do and get the recognition they deserve so they can position themselves as thought leaders, both on LinkedIn and beyond LinkedIn. So that's what I do. Awesome. Awesome. So I love, I love this work. And my listeners know that I talk about LinkedIn all the time. I talk about being mm. a all the time. And so I'm, I'm really excited to dive in and talk through what that means. So let's okay. start from the beginning. You talk about being visible, positioning yourself in a way to get opportunities. Why is that important? Why should we care about visibility? So I think that I find that a lot of women are doing great work, right? And when we were in school, it was real easy. So you study, you ask questions in class, you engage, you go for tutorials. When the teacher asks a question, you raise up your hand, you answer the question and you get the right grades, right? The rules for engagement in school were, were so simple. But then when we entered the corporate world, somebody changed the scripts. <laughs> they didn't send us the memo, right? <laughs> so I find a lot of women are doing the hard work. They are working hard, working tirelessly, working beyond hours, working extra hours, working extra time but then they're not showing up in the places that help them get recognized for the work they do. And what happens is that these women sort of say, oh, you know what, I'm doing the work. My work will speak for me. But then the only thing that has a mouth is you. 
right? Fortunately or unfortunately. So your work, if you are not standing by your work, if you're not letting people know that you did that, somebody else is taking the credit for your work or people just don't know that you are the one that does the work. And research has shown that many times senior managers do not have an accurate representation of what women do and so do not ascribe the level of significance required to the work that they do. They're not aware of their career aspirations as well. So all of these things block women from getting the recognition they deserve. And recently we've seen um, the McKinsey report, I believe, has found the broken wrong. So this idea, one of the reasons why women are not entering or accessing senior management positions is because there is a missing wrong in middle level management where women are falling off that sort of career projection and ability sort of to break that glass ceiling. And we need momentum in middle management. So if we're having more women sort of falling off that middle management rung there, um, what's happening? What's that gap? And I really think that visibility is what plays a key role for accessing senior management positions. So that's why the work is so important. I want women to know that it is okay to be in nine to five and still succeed. You don't have to become an entrepreneur to have success, to live your passion, to live your dreams, to get recognized for the work that you do. You just need to understand how to play the game. Yes, yes. That idea of the broken rug, I've heard about this, I've read about this before, and I think people underestimate like how crucial that is. We look at mm-hmm the C-suite and we look at all these senior levels and we're like, okay, I want to get there. And I think we're underestimating that this middle area, your manager, right? This person Mm -hmm. has control, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word, on how fast, how far the trajectory is. And I think a lot of people, they do jump ship. They do leave the nine to five world because things are not progressing. They don't feel like they're being valued. And while, yes, there are definitely some like institutional issues and and systems Mm -hmm. that we need to overturn, there is this level of putting yourself out there, being visible and letting people know exactly who you are and what you bring to the table. Let's start at the beginning. So if I'm a person, I'm in my career, moving along, I want to get promoted, I want to kind of get to this next level, where do I start with this idea of visibility? Who do I need to be visible to? What's my first step? So your first step is understanding your value. And I think that is the step where a lot of women start to fail, unfortunately. So understanding the value. So visibility for me is the art of letting people know what you're capable of, right? And basically the value you bring to the organization, right? So if you don't know your value, if you haven't owned your accomplishments, if you haven't owned the value or even understand that you the value and the outcomes you can bring to a professional organization, it's difficult to be visible because the visibility is not about fame. It's attached to value. And the way I teach it anyway, it's attached to value. So the very first thing is understand your value. Understand what you are able to do for organizations, how the, what you do provides real results to businesses that you work for. That is the very first step. Yes. And so I love to talk about this in my work. I call it your VIP, your value, your impact and your power. And starting with the value, I definitely mm-hmm. think is the crucial piece. But what I find is that there's a lot of questions around, but well, what is my value? How do I understand mm. what that is? How do you coach someone mm. to really uncover what their value is? So the first thing I start with is let's even, let's look at your career, right? Let's open the landscape of your career and let's look at some of the key achievements. And this is where the light bulb starts to happen, right? Because many times, one of the issues is sometimes women are even aware of their achievements, but they don't know how to communicate it. So they're like, oh, I did this, oh, I did that. But no, what you did, how did it bring 
key outcomes to the business. So for example, if you didn't do what you did, what would have been the impact on the business? And that is how you communicate that result. So this, first of all, there's even understanding the value and learning how to communicate it. But that's kind of like the second part of the question. So the first thing is what I do with my clients is I take them through a skills portfolio exercise where we look at key achievements in your entire career. So we really drill real deep. And then we say, okay, what were the core skills you used to achieve these results? And what were the key outcomes of the business? And then by the time you've done that, we actually find your career story. Because we've seen, and many times what happens is that we start to see synergies, right? We start to see relatable lines, through lines, between the different things that you've been doing in your career. That you, because these are the things, these are the skills you've been leaning on time and time and time again to bring real results for businesses. So that's the first thing, the skills portfolio exercise. That's what I take my clients through. I love it. I love it. Okay. And so you go through this process with your clients. They have the skills. They understand the value and all of those things. How do they then become more visible? What's the step from knowing and then doing? Mm -hmm. So the next step is communicating, right? And in order to communicate effectively, you have to understand what value is to other people. So first of all, we need to do like a stakeholder assessment, right? So who are the key stakeholders in your career? But what most people don't realize is that the only, you have more than one stakeholder in your career. So if you have just your manager and you're trying to be visible with just your manager, you're communicating with just your manager, you are doing yourself a disservice. So you have to understand who are the people who my manager reports to, who are the people who have management meetings where my name is mentioned. So understanding those key stakeholders and then understanding what is value to them. So let me explain. When I was working in corporate, I reported directly to my CEO, but I also had a CFO for our company who didn't necessarily have direct sort of oversight over my career, but was certainly in management meetings where my career was being discussed. Now, when I would communicate with my CEO, he would ask a question and I find, I would tell him things like, oh, I was at this meeting or I was doing this, I was doing that. And he would say things like, you know, I'm not really seeing your effectiveness, Glory, you know? I couldn't understand what that meant because I was working really hard. And then I started doing some research and I realized that what matters to my boss is profit. That is the only thing he really cares about because that's, that is his agenda, right? As the CEO of the company, are we generating enough revenue and what are our profit margins? So I realized that even though I'm going for these meetings, what I need to be telling him is what the outcome of these meetings, not the activity. So I would say things, I started saying things like, oh, you know, I had a meeting with our vendor and what I'm trying to do is get him to reduce his cost by 10%. And so that's going to help us with our profit margin. That's going to help us move a bit, right? And then immediately he'd be like, okay, Gloria, that's great. Keep me updated on that. What's going on here? And, you know, so that became how I report to him. But then with my CFO, he is not necessarily interested in how much profit my business brings in per se, but really in terms of the project finance. So he wants to make sure that for each project I'm doing, I don't run out of money and come back and meet him and start needing money for the project because that messes up his own budgetary cycle, right? So when I'm communicating with him, I don't necessarily say, oh, profits and loss and things like that. I'm more about, okay, the invoicing system, how much has been released now by the client, what our next payment date is. And for him, that he then sees me as effective. He then sees me as a proper manager because I, I understand the things that affect him. But I'm still doing my work, but it's how I'm communicating my value. I'm still having meetings. I'm still building relationships. I'm still building it, bringing in projects. But what I'm communicating is what is valuable to these two different stakeholders. Does that make sense? 
That makes complete sense. So you're basically speaking their language, like what's important exactly. to them and tapping exactly. into that. And so they then begin to see you as someone who is who understands them, who gets the business, who's business savvy, all of those things. I love it. Absolutely exactly. love it. Exactly. Exactly. And so let's take it a little bit, you know, another step further. So you've identified what the value is, you're understanding and communicating to your key stakeholders in a way that they understand what next, like you talked about being visible outside of your career, yes. like using LinkedIn, et cetera. How do you start mm-hmm. that process? So it's now about building a network, right? So you have your internal network, you've identified sort of your internal stakeholders. Now you, you now need to understand, okay, this value that I have, right? So remember the first thing was understanding our skills, understanding the outcomes for the business. Who needs to know about me? So you really have to get introspective. Who cares about what I do? Who will pay me because of what I do, right? Even if you're not looking for a new job, right? Who will pay me because of what I do? Who needs to learn from me? Who can I teach? When you start to ask yourself these questions, then who has achieved the goals I want to achieve? In fact, that is my biggest networking tip. Ask yourself the goals I want to achieve in the next two years, five years of my career, who has achieved them? Then go where those people go, right? So on LinkedIn, think to yourself, what are the categories of people? So for example, for me, one of the things I want to do in sort of the next two years, you know, I want to be published in Forbes. I want to be a Forbes contributor. I want to have a few TED Talks under my, TEDx Talks under my belt. So who do I follow? And who do I connect with on LinkedIn? I connect with published authors, Forbes contributors, Forbes editors. So people that have achieved the things I want to achieve. So that's how you start to build an external network. The next step is share the work you do. Create content around the work you do. Just talk about your projects. Talk about, I mean, of course, especially if they're not proprietary, right? So you don't want to give out confidential information about the work you're doing. But talk about topical issues in your sector. Show and demonstrate expertise because you're building this network, right? And then when you even start to identify sort of who you should be networking it with, one of the things you should also be looking at is what magazines do they read? right? Where are they featured? What news publications are they featured in? What conferences do they go to? And then you show up in those places, right? You start reading those magazines. You start contacting those editors to contribute articles. So you start getting seen and known by the right people. That is the disability process. Oh my goodness. I love it. And I think this is such an underutilized skill. People think, Mm -hmm. okay, if I'm networking, then I'm going to network with people who are doing what I'm doing and and Mm -hmm. people who are similarly situated. But you're saying, no, it's time to really look at the people you aspire to. And those Mm -hmm. are the people that you're networking and you're working Mm -hmm. and you're doing. So Mm -hmm. when you get in front of these people, is it that you just connect with them and then leave? Like, what do you do once you connect with them on LinkedIn? So for me, it's about how I connect on LinkedIn. So I always personalize all my connection requests, right? And because, you know, we've done the first work of understanding our values. So I introduce myself with my value. So I never introduce myself as the founder of Inspired by Glory Academy. Oh, because nobody knows what Inspired by Glory Academy is, right? So I always talk about, I always have my elevator pitch. So today I introduce myself as somebody that helps career women get visible. And so that's how I introduce myself. So immediately you lead with your value, right? You learn how to communicate your value. And this depends on who I'm talking to. So I'm t- if I'm talking to somebody who is gender, I introduce myself as a gender, you know, gender advocate. If I'm talking to somebody who's a career woman, I introduce myself as a disability expert. So I understand, again, remember what we talk about speaking their language, right? So I introduce myself to these people. So we, we start to build a, a conversation train, trail, right? So that where if I ever do need something or even they need something from me, we have a conversation to come back to. Another thing I do is I make sure I comment on their articles. 
So if they, if they write articles and things like that, I comment on the articles, I'm engaging with them. And then free corona because also I'm, I'm going for physical events. I would go and meet these people. Oh, we've actually connected on LinkedIn. Or even if we aren't, I'll send them a message on LinkedIn and say, oh, I see you're speaking at so-and-so conference. I'm actually going to be there. I'll make sure I say hello. And so when I meet them, one of the first things I say is, I just connected with you on LinkedIn. And they are like, oh, really? I haven't seen it. I'm going to go accept the request, right? It's about when you make the connection, it's about building the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. And making sure you're maintaining that bridge. Maintain. And so one of the things I love about LinkedIn as well as that LinkedIn, three times a year, it's going to give you an opportunity to stay connected. Somebody's work anniversary, somebody's birthday, somebody was mentioned in the news, somebody's been promoted, right? Mm-hmm. When you get those notifications on LinkedIn, never ignore them. I always use it as an opportunity to refresh my connection. I think it's a great way because you never know when you're going to need to leverage those relationships. Yes. And I think it's so interesting how valuable. So I know how valuable this is. You're reiterating how valuable this networking piece is. But there's a real fear that women have, people in general, but for the women that I work with, that they have around networking and reaching out to someone and sending in a cold connection request on LinkedIn. How do people get over that fear? How do they push past that? So the first thing I always tell people that confidence is a muscle. Unfortunately, confidence is not fairy dust. It's not something I can sprinkle on you and all of a sudden you get confident. Confidence comes by doing. That's the first thing. The second thing I always say to people is people are looking for value, right? It would surprise you the amount of times I've connected with people that I thought wouldn't give me the time of day and have engaged me. People are looking for value. So the most important thing is to introduce yourself from a place of value. Right. And the third thing I always say to people is that you cannot, you have no control over other people's reactions. The only thing you can do is control your reaction and how you approach them and make sure you're polite, make sure that you sell your value in the right way. And those are the things you can't control. But I think it's important to do that. So I'll give you an example. Earlier on in the year, so I'm based in Nigeria in Lagos, and there were some flyers about a new women's community. There was some adverts on one of the popular streets here about a new women community that had been created. And I was like, oh, I'm in women empowerment. I should know about these people. They should know about the work I do. I had no agenda. I just wanted to connect. And so I found someone on LinkedIn who knew me very well, who also knew the person. And I said, would you mind doing an introduction on LinkedIn, which they did for me. And we connected and I sent her a message and I said, look, I I love the work you're doing with this new women community. Can I come in and just tell you what I've been doing in the women empowerment space? And she was like, okay. And I I went in for the meeting and I could see that the day I got in there, she was, she didn't know what to make of me. (laughs) Because I'm sure this is like the first time, like somebody's just come out of the blue. I didn't come with an agenda. I didn't come to sell anything. I just wanted to understand what they were working on, what key challenges they were having, share with her some of my expertise. We have built, this was sometime in January. Since then, we have built an amazing connection. She comments on my articles. I comment on hers. I send her information about work she's doing. And then recently, I needed some help with a project I was doing, and I contacted her. And it was such an easy win-win situation that we had both created for ourselves, right? And so potentially, we have a project that we can work on together. But this was months after. So what I'm saying to people is sometimes you don't have an agenda, but you are in the same field. You can see both of you are working in the same area. Make the connection. You never know where value is going to come from. And people are always looking for value. Yes, that is so powerful. And I think one of the bad raps that 
networking gets is that it's like people feel like, well, I don't want to reach out and I'm always asking for something. Well, then you don't have to ask for something. You can exactly. reach out and network with just the intention of getting to know this person, building rapport, building that relationship. And you don't have to ask for anything. I think that's an option that people often overlook in this networking mm-hmm. process. Correct. Very yeah. true. And so a lot of the women who are listening, in addition to wanting to get visibility at work, and we kind of talked through all of that, connecting with folks on LinkedIn, some of the goals that they have are to become a sought after voice in their industry. They want people to know who they are. They want to be on speaking panels and maybe even do some consulting, et cetera. How does visibility work in that arena? So if we take off from the sort of the last step I mentioned where we were talking about networking with these people and going, understanding like the people that you're trying to connect with, um, I call it like your who list, right? So developing a, a list of people that you're trying to connect with based on your goals, right? Remember when I was saying, oh, what magazines do they read? Those kind of things. So when you establish um, those parameters, right? It's now about creating content. I think content is such a powerful thing. Brands that we know every day are using content to build market share in the areas of their products, right? And the areas of their speciality. And we can do the same for our career. So start creating content. LinkedIn is basically like a free blog for career people, right? Because you can create content on a gamut of different things. So start creating expert-driven content about what's happening in your sector. Right. And you can create dip. a lot of people say, oh, I'm not a great writer. You can do videos. You can do infographics. Right. You can do images. You can share other people's content with your own insights. So start doing that and start connecting with other people who are writing about the same things in your industry. So that's one way you can start to develop third leadership in your sector. Another thing that I advise people to do is become a gatekeeper. I think gatekeeping is something that people sometimes, they don't drill into enough. So what is a gatekeeper? A gatekeeper is somebody that controls access to information and community around a specific topic, right? So for example, maybe you start to do webinars for people in your industry. I find that such a powerful thing. Because when you're not connecting with people, you don't say, oh, I'm connecting with you for me. You say, I'm connecting with you because of others, right? I have a community of even if it's 30 professionals who are business analysts and would love to hear from you. We'd love for you to come and do a business a webinar for us or create a, web, a mastermind or do something, a podcast, a book, a magazine. Become a gatekeeper in your sector so that people are constantly tapping you for information and you're constantly providing information. I think that's one of the fastest ways to establish them. Yeah, and and that's so good. And because a lot of people probably aren't doing this, you really Mm. stand to to really stand out. (laughs) It's like you you do something, you put some articles out there. I forgot what the stats are, but of the billions of people who are on LinkedIn, the the actual content... Mm -hmm. Created is only created by a small few. Like it's not the mass, the vast. Exactly. So you have a good opportunity to stand out if you're becoming a gatekeeper, if you're curating content, etc. A lot of times people overlook how simple this can be to really getting that visibility. So in addition to LinkedIn, what are some other ways that people can become more visible? I think press is a great way, especially relevant press. So um, published opportunities or published magazines for your sector, TV interviews, those kind of things, magazines, those are great ways to build visibility as well. So interviews, going on podcasts. I think a lot of times people think this is just for entrepreneurs, but it's not true. There are other ways that you, you can create visibility for yourself as a career person as well, using those same tactics and those same opportunities. Love it. And Love it. 
And another thing I wanted to say is pitching yourself for opportunities as well. So there are many times I've seen an event <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this looks great. I should be on it. And I'll send a message to, I'll send a message to the organizer. And I was like, oh, you know, this is what I do. Here's a link to my LinkedIn profile. Here's a link to my Instagram. Here's a link to my blog. Um, check me out. See if I, I think I can come and speak to your attendees or your participants about X and Y topic. Um, let me know what you think. And I do that all the time. A lot of times people think that when people get old, are pitching themselves for opportunities. And so if you're sitting down thinking that opportunities are always going to come and meet you, not really. It doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. And in fact, that's even how we met. <laughs> like, exactly. You, exactly. <laughs> you're yeah, you actually practice what you preach and kind of put yourself out there and talk to folks, et cetera. So it's something so powerful about what you said about confidence comes from the action. And I talk to women all the time and they're like, Dorian, you're so confident. Or you're telling me that I need to be confident. I just, the fear and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. It feels very real in the moment. Like I can't do this. I'm nervous, but you have to just do like this. I love when you said there's no, there's no dust I can sprinkle on you. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. you have to do it. You have to move past that and understand what's on the other side of it. There's women who are getting out there. They're getting on panels. They're being featured in publications. They're starting consulting businesses because they are stepping out and becoming visible. This is crucial. This is a big part of your career growth. And for women who have their eyes on senior leadership, or if you're in senior leadership and you want to go to that next level, you want to be on boards, you want to do all of these things, this visibility is key to all of that. Very, very key. I mean, so today I was having a conversation with a woman who's in senior level management, you know, and I was asking her, like, look, I want to get on a board. How do I get on it? And she was giving me advice. And she was like, you know, the first thing, maybe try and get on some NGO boards first before you start targeting some for-profit boards. So I think even asking for advice, like ask people who are already doing the things you want to do. How are they doing it? And then they can give you tips on how to go for it. So one of the things I'm going to be doing this year now is targeting some NGOs and saying, look, are you looking for somebody with women empowerment expertise? to come and sit on your board and offer advice on diversity issues. Yeah. So yeah, pitching yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And so you mentioned that you're in Nigeria and over here in the U.S. You work with a similar set of career women. They tend to be Black, etc. With any of the advice that you're giving, does it change for Black women? Have you found that it's a little bit more challenging or difficult to get into spaces and to become visible, etc.? Yeah, so I think that Women in general, you know, we suffer from imposter syndrome and it's so real. And so when I talk, you might think, oh, Glory, what you're saying doesn't apply to me. (laughs) You know, I was watching this video and this lady said, sometimes people think that they are this special snowflake, that everything else works for everyone else apart from them. But I think that everybody feels imposter syndrome. When I was reaching out to you, Dorian, I was scared as well. I was thinking that what if she just thinks, oh, who's this woman from Nigeria? You know, there's so much bad press about Nigeria. You know, you know, exactly. Who's this girl from Lagos, Nigeria? And I always say I'm from Lagos, Nigeria. So who's this girl from Lagos, Nigeria? You know, please. So there's always, I think that fear, that idea of being outnumbered is there. There are a lot of women in Nigeria that work in male-dominated communities or in careers or in offices. Even a lot of women maybe are working in circumstances that are maybe prohibited in terms of their religion. Maybe their boss is a different religion from them. And so they find it difficult to connect because of that sort of religious barrier. So there, I mean, I, I know I've spoken to a couple of women who have that issue. So I would say that there are, there are similarities across the pond. And what I, so my advice is always, I think what has really helped me the most, and I always teach about things that I have experienced and tips that I use every day is understanding my value. 
once I understood my value and daily, right, because the things you're doing, it's something that you have to keep understanding and growing in the knowledge of who you are. The moment I started understanding my value and owning it and saying, Glory, you did this, it gave me the power to say, Glory, you can do that. Mm. Right. But I find that many times we haven't owned the things we've already achieved. So I got my PhD before 30 and I was so grateful to have gotten it because it took me a long time to get it. And I was so grateful to have gotten it. I never really celebrated it. So I never really owned it. In fact, the day I got my PhD, I just went to bed. Most people have gone out and had a party. I didn't do any of that. So I was just grateful to have had it. And I never, my dad would say to me, why don't you tell people that you're, you have a, a doctor? Why don't you tell people to call you Dr. Adozin? But I never did it because I never celebrated it. I never owned it. And it was only two years ago, two, three years ago, I started to actually, I had a doctorate and it just changed. The way people related with me changed confident. So I think that many times the problem is we haven't owned our achievements. We haven't looked back and said, oh my God, I did that. And I, you know, I'm bad A for doing that. I'm great. And I think many times we've been socialized to think that saying we are great or acknowledging our own greatness is pride. It isn't. Mm-hmm. It isn't. If you're not, and we think that having this false sense of humility is what is going to get us noticed and things like that. And I know that culture also plays a part in that, but it's not doing us any favors, ladies. It's not doing us any favors. So I say yeah. the first thing is own your accomplishments own your accomplishments, understand your value, understand how to communicate it and start communicating it. Yes, I love that. This idea that you're bragging or you're arrogant or you're conceited when you say your accomplishments. Like you're a doctor, you have your PhD that you're just stating Mm -hmm. the facts, like owning who you are, owning the value and not being afraid to communicate that and say that is a game Mm -hmm. changer. So I love that you brought that up. Well, Glory, thank you so much for sharing these tips about visibility and networking. Super, super helpful. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Fantastic. I had a lovely time. Thank you for having me. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. This is really how we spread the message and let people know about what we're doing here over at Deeper Than Work. And if you want to share with me on social, tag me at your career girl. Let me see those photos of you listening to the podcast. Tell me what was your biggest takeaway. I can't wait to connect with you.